Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 348 of the Fun with Cars Motorsports podcast, or episode 10 of 2023. I'm Robin Warner, and I recently got the chance to have a conversation with the managing director of Porsche Penske Motorsport, Jonathan Duguid, about the new Porsche 963 competing in the top GTP class at IMSA in 2023. We also chat about what's happening in Europe in WEC. So let's jump right in. All right. Well, it is a fantastic opportunity to be able to speak with a Penske racing engineer, Jonathan Duguid. Jonathan, you were an engineer for the IMSA race team at Penske. How are you? Good. How are you today, Robin? I'm doing very well. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, We're talking ahead of the uh, Road America race. Coming up, it's a two-hour and 40-minute race, mm-hmm. and it is a big and fast racetrack to be holding it. Uh, how are you feeling about that event? Uh, we're feeling pretty good. I think, um, you know, our Porsche 963 seems to be seems to do well at the natural, flowing, smooth road racing circuits. And, you know, Road America just got repaved um, after, you know, 10 or 15 years. And so the the surface is quite smooth, and but still holds the character that it had before. So we're looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, and... It seems like the 963 has been quick in a lot of places. You guys were definitely quick right out of the box in Daytona. And uh, clearly you were quick quick at the Glen. What is it about those types of tracks that suit that car? Is it a is it a is it a downforce car but kind of sensitive? Or what what would describe why it's quick those places? I think with um you know, you look at the LNDH regulations and the way they've defined the aero box, and I think you're gonna have some weekends where you know, an, an Acura or BMW or Cadillac might work well, and you're going to have some weekends where the, the Porsche 963 will work well. And I think, you know, our car has been proven to work well at the higher speed circuits. I wouldn't say we're lower drag or different downforce than anybody else, but I think probably the operating window where the car operates in, you know, with respect to ride heights and things like that, there's just some some circuits that suit us better, and that seems to be the higher speed, um, higher flowing circuits. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So what has it been like working with Porsche? You know, in more recent history, you guys worked with Acura in the Mm -hmm. IMSA program. Uh, Penske did work with Porsche in the late 2000s in an LMP2 car. Yep. But it's been a a while since um, you've been working with Porsche again, especially at this leading class capacity. Uh, What's that been like? I'm very curious about working with Porsche versus working with Acura. You know, I think... You know, each manufacturer has their has their has their benefits, and um, you know we had a good run with Acura there, where we won two championships and and won a lot of races together, and so that was a, a really fruit, fruitful partnership. And you know, as we look forward with with Porsche, we're really excited to be partnered with them. Um, you know, motorsports and racing is is part of their culture and part of their brand, and really part of their brand identity. And and they approach it as such. So you know, there's a large support system with Porsche Motorsport um, and Porsche in general, and they have a lot of recent experience in Formula E, which which is you know an electric series and and has some some electric motors there, which has been invaluable to our program um, to to sort of shortcut some of the processes there and be able to apply that. And so taking that knowledge from all of their other racing programs and being able to apply it to an LMDH car, which is quite complicated with the hybrid system, has been a been a huge benefit. Um, so having the resources and backing and support, um, you know, of a company like Porsche with with the the heritage and the racing pedigree that they come with is is invaluable and and you know we're looking forward to delivering delivering with for them and for the PPM team um in, in 
23 and beyond. That That's a really interesting tidbit that you say there because um, much of the hybrid system in the IMSA program is standardized, right? So mm-hmm. what what are the learnings? What are the what is the experience and the knowledge that Porsche have? How does that incorporate into a largely standardized system? Yeah, I would say that the hardware is standardized, Robin, um, but the sandbox of software that the manufacturers are allowed to play in is pretty large. Um, so gotcha. how they handle how they handle you know what happens across shifts or in the braking zones or how the brake bias moves, and then also the the integration of the hybrid components with the combustion engine is not a small undertaking. Um, and I think that that's something that all the manufacturers competing in the LMDH platform don't get enough credit for um, is, is seamlessly integrating, you know, the, the hybrid components with the ICE engine that they bring to the game, whether it's, you know, the, the six cylinder with Acura, the V8s, a Cadillac or our twin turbo V8 that we run. Um, and then our Porsche 963, I think that's, that's a really, a really large task and a really large undertaking. That's not easy to get right. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these teams and manufacturers struggling on some tracks to, to, to execute that properly. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That makes sense. Yeah, because integration is huge. I mean, I don't know. There might be tiny little performance windows you can eke out with um, way the way the electric motor engages with shifts and things like that, as you mentioned. But I imagine a big component would be drivability. Is that yep. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the LMDH cars and the GTP platform um, the cars do have a lot of power, but they're also heavy and the tires aren't, aren't massive. And so there are traction limited in a lot of cases. And so being able to apply the power down is where, you know, large differentiation and performance of the cars is. So I think, you know, that and traction control, like you said, are really important development areas that everybody focuses on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So corner exit would be the critical. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm how early was Penske working with Porsche? How early in the process did Team Penske get involved with Porsche on their GTP program. Yeah, I would say it was probably um, you know around around the announcement of the program partnership, which I believe was in um, you know mid to June June of 2021 um, when they announced the partnership. I would say at that point we had two to three people working on the program full time, and then ramped up from there to where at the end of the season um, in 2021 we had you know enough personnel to run a full testing program and, and everything there. So it's been it's been about two and a half years. Okay. And were you guys involved at all? I, did you guys have any influence on Porsche choosing a turbocharged V8 as the uh, internal combustion engine for their GTP program? And no. uh, if so, what, I mean, how has it been working with that engine? You know, the selection of any engine, there's, you know, there's no rules or regulations in the GTP platform or the LMDH platform that say it has to be production based or anything like that. So I think, you know, as part of the selection process, it was looked at all the way from you know, carrying over the 919 V4 that they had in the LMP1 prototype all the way to the the solution that we arrived on here. And it was looking at things between weight and crankshaft height and all these other different topics that, you know, that, that the manufacturers are looking at. Um, and, and also the power shape curve that had to be met um, as part of the LMDH uh, regulation, because, okay. you know, the power shape curve, I think that's something that's important for, for the, you know, fan base to know is that, even regardless of the engine architecture, twin turbo or naturally aspirated, there's a, a target power shape curve that every LMDH car runs to. And so, you know, they're operating with the same power to the ground. And so you have to make sure your engine's big enough, but also has the proper curve shape um, and power delivery to be able to meet that target to the maximum. Otherwise, you're giving up performance. And so, you know, that that's how we arrived on a fairly large displacement twin turbo V8. And, and 
I've asked the questions a couple times to the different powertrain guys and said, like, you know, if you if you unleash this thing and ran as much boost as you wanted to and, you know, put as much fuel in there as you wanted to, how much power could it make? And I still haven't got a so- solid answer, but I know it would yeah. be at least four digits. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would yeah. that much displacement. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. You're describing the, the, the area that maximize it. It's calc two. It sounds like it's getting the area under the curve and getting it. Yep. Uh, Top yep. that's uh, for all you uh, fellow math nerds. There it is. Um, I it has been very fascinating to see Cadillacs. I believe it's a five and a half liter naturally aspirated V8. You and BMW are both running turbo V8s, but yours is the larger of the two. Mm-hmm. And then Acura's got basically um, what would have been an IndyCar engine had the world gone a different way. Yep. In the, with their tiny V6, has it been surprising the variety of engines you guys have and are competing against? I, th- I think it's it's not surprising because, you know, I think IMSA and, and the FIACO did a really good job of forming the regulations to be able to allow manufacturers to bring whatever platform they wanted to bring to the championships. So you have the variety of, of car noises and RPM ranges and sounds and, you know, different pops and bangs going into the corners. And I think that's what what's unique about our championship is sometimes you don't even have to be looking at the racetrack to know which car came by. Um, and I mm. think that that's, that's really important to, to the brands and the manufacturer and also the fans to have that variety, because that's what makes sports car racing unique is, is the variety of cars that are on the track at the same time and the manufacturer involvement. And then also the connection with, with the brands, the teams and the drivers too, as well. Penske is also doing something really interesting where they are running both an IMSA team and a WEC team world endurance championship. Mm-hmm. Is, is there communication across the pond between you guys? I mean, how is that operating? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's run under one roof and not, not physical roofs, but, you know, metaphorical as far as the team structure. And there's not, there's nobody aside from myself and, you know, one other person, Travis law that go between both the events and try to attend as many races as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, there is an open communication flow and we're utilizing tests that the IMSA program does or races that the WC team does to continually improve the car. And and obviously the more mileage that we get on track, the more the car is exposed to different scenarios and issues, whether it's curb riding or reliability of this part or that part. And so I think that global approach has given us a slight advantage above our competitors just because the amount of mileage that we run, um, you know, some of the opportunities that we have and and we're trying to take full advantage of that with, with the best communication possible between the two teams. I mean, and, and it's not perfect uniformity. I, they don't run the same tire, do they? I mean, I no, know the, the tracks are different, obviously. Yeah, the tires are the same. Um, the tires oh, are the same. Are. I think that there's some slight differences between, um, you know, the aerodynamics. And that's just basically a function of where IMSA does their aerodynamic benchmarking, which is wind shear and Concord. Um, and then FIA and ACO does their aerodynamic benchmarking in uh, the Sauber wind tunnel in Hinwill in Switzerland. So mm-hmm. there's some slight differences, but it's mostly driven off of just um, where the testing of the wind tunnel thing's happening. And, and there's that difference. And then there's some scrutineering systems and things like that from the electronic side that's different. But functionally, the cars are the cars are the same and the tires are the same. And so since we have that continuity, we can you know really directly apply it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so. Let's dig into the performance just a little bit. I mean, right from the beginning in Daytona, the car was clearly quick, mm-hmm. but had some had some teething issues, I think is fair to say. And, sure. you know, Daytona ended up being Cadillac v. Acura, largely, um, yep. which, you know, 
meet the old new boss, same as the old boss kind of a scenario. Um, and ironically enough, you talked about fast flowing tracks being a strength. You guys did get a win um, at Laguna Seca, which would be one of those, right? Um, I was well, sorry. It was, it was Long Beach. Uh, Long, Long Beach, Beach was Long our Beach. first. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Long Beach, yeah. which is uh, kind of the exact opposite of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's <laughs> that's funny. That's I got uh, my wires crossed there. Um, uh, the the Glen. You guys won the Glen. And then that was taken from you because of a uh, uh, regulation infraction. Yep. So I, I'm. There's been a lot of highs and lows. There's been a lot of peaks and troughs in your season. I mean, how do you how do you judge it so far? And how are you looking at the pure performance of the car versus the results? No, I think I think you mentioned it there, and that's that's why people are in motorsport is for the highs and the lows. And I think on this program you know, the development process is quite difficult. Um, you know, I think that's been openly spoken about between hybrid components and car reliability. Um, and I think, you know, that hasn't diminished the spirit of the team and and how hard we're pushing. And I think the days where we do have successes like Long Beach and, you know, we view Watkins Glen as a success as well, because the performance of the team was there and we operated quite well. That's, that's what we all do it for. That's what we go through the difficult days. Um, and performance wise, I think, much like reliability, every time we run the car, we get exposed to, you know, what the car wants, what the drivers want, what the tire wants, and we're smarter for the next event. Um, and so I think the performance of the car has been evolving, not just our performance, but everybody else we're racing to as well. And I think, you know, in the IMS and the ACO championships, you you look at the, all the teams are getting better each time they go to a race weekend and, and ours is included. And that's where we take the benefits from is the incremental steps and the, and the positive performance improvements that we get. And, um, as long as we keep seeing those improvements, everybody keeps pushing quite hard. So it's it's you know it's all heading the right direction. How I mean, I I understand the business of racing, and this mm-hmm. isn't all that foreign. But how has it been racing against Acura when Acura is how Penske got back into sports car racing yeah. after a long spell off? I think us, you know, you probably know that motor racing and auto racing is a very small world, and so back your program ended on the, on the right note. And, you know, we're all still friends and we joke about everything when we see each other at the track. So um, the fact that we're all, we're competitors now is, is, you know, difference than what we had before, but I think all the relationships are quite healthy and, you know, it's quite healthy competition. And the biggest thing is that, you know, we're PPM and Porsche are in racing for competition and without strong competitors like Acura, you know, nobody would be here. And so that's, that's a big part of it, but that doesn't mean we can't be, uh, friends and cordial to each other after the race ends, but when the race starts, it's um, you know, it's a battle, and that's what we're here for. Would Would you call Acura your biggest competitor? I mean, who is who is the team to beat? It seems these days. I think if we look at the you know if we look at the IMSA Championship specifically right now, I think each manufacturer is represented with one car in the top four, and the and the point spread right now I think is three positions in a race. So I I think right now all all of the GTP manufacturers and LMDH manufacturers are doing a really really good job. Um, I think if we look at the, the FIA and WEC championship, um, you know, there's a, a step to the the full hypercars with Ferrari and Toyota that, you know, we're actively trying to close, but it's quite large right now. But I think, you know, the performance of the Cadillac and the Porsche and the, and the WEC is quite close and we're racing each other each weekend there. But as far as IMSA, I wouldn't say there's any car that's 
you know, leaps and bounds in front of, in front of the next one. I think like, like we talked earlier, you'll see some variability weekend to weekend of, of one team gets it right um, and has some performance on the rest of the field. But in general, I wouldn't say there's a huge, huge performance gap. Yeah. I, I just to editorialize for a quick moment, I, I, I was, I was really surprised about uh, FIA with the hypercar and the GTP uh, parody. And I was like, Oh, I'm suspicious about true sure. parody um between those two but when i saw manufacturers like porsche say no we're going to go lmdh slash gtp i was like well okay maybe there will be but you know that gap being there it's like okay but and there's um, and there's still some work to do there and you know toyota has been racing in wc for 10 years uninterrupted and and ferrari has had a strong presence there and and it's not to take anything away from them they've done a really good job with with both the cars they brought to the racetrack um and, you know, I think LMDH and GTP cars can comp- compete closely on one lap pace. Um, and I think you've seen that in qualifying. The gap's maybe two or three tenths um, to get it right. But it's more of the we're all in endurance racing. And so it's it's long stint pace that we're struggling with uh, relative yeah. to those cars. And it makes it difficult to compete with the rules package over there from a, from a, um, how the race is run. Yeah, I get that. I get yeah. Well, OK, from from the IMSA point of view, what what has been the biggest surprise, would you say? Um, I wouldn't say there's a there's a ton of surprises. I would say reliability is still affecting all the manufacturers, and you know I don't think there's one car in the entire field that hasn't had, um, you know, what they would describe as a bad race, whether it's from an accident or a reliability issue. And I think that's why um, you see all four manufacturers represented in the top four. So um, not a ton of surprises. I think the IMSA technical group is doing a really good job with the the BOP approach, and there's no um, you know, there's not been a lot of um, comments about that in the press. And I think it's because everybody's relatively happy with the approach and feels that they have an opportunity to go racing each weekend. And so that's allowed the teams and the, and the drivers and the fans to focus on the racing, which is, which is what we're all here for. And I think that that's, that's, that's a really good approach. And the, uh, and, and the hybrid side of it, that's been relatively speaking a, a fairly comfortable transition to have a hybrid powertrain. Then it sounds like, I mean, that it's interesting that that's in a lot of ways the largest window of um of uh involve of of advancement in terms of like that has the least amount of rules behind it uh but but in terms of getting comfortable with a hybrid system that hasn't been an issue huh no i think i think that part has been a large step that's been happening in the background that you know obviously it's an 800 volt system so there's a safety a safety aspect that needs to come there and so sure you know each one of these circuits that we go to there's safety briefings with track workers and you know a safety area for where the cars go to um you know it's been a little bit more prevalent in europe and some of those races with f1 and formula e but um as far as in the you know north america um ims is the first championship to bring a hybrid a full-time hybrid series um to top level professional racing and so that that probably has been the biggest step looking at it is just getting used to that and making sure that everyone understands the protocols from track workers to the series, to the teams, to the drivers. But, you know, we're six or seven races in now and it's starting to become old habit. And, um, you know, <laughs> people are beginning to get more comfortable and understand what needs to happen to to be safe, but also to be able to extract the maximum performance out of the hybrid systems. Well, uh, Jonathan Duguid, I, I biting my tongue because I desperately just want to nerd out on some of these technical features, but it's been really interesting talking with you, getting a better understanding of the Porsche 963 and how it lives in the IMSA championship and indeed the WEC championship as well. Um, thank you so much for your time. Okay. I really appreciate it, Robin. 
Thank you very much for your time, Jonathan. Super interesting insights. Well, that's it for today, but I will be back soon with another interview from our beloved motorsports world. In the meantime, I've been plenty busy on YouTube. I just finished several videos on the brand new Ford Mustang. Please do check that out. And thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com and tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Goodbye.